Welcome to the Diabetes Canada Healthcare Huddle, a podcast that invites healthcare professionals to listen in on the discussion as we explore a diabetes-related topic. Each episode, we will present a case study, then have a conversation with an expert about the clinical challenge. Finally, we will revisit the case and see how we can apply our new knowledge and tools. My name is Dr. Sarah Stafford. I'm an endocrinologist in Surrey, BC, and I'm joined by my colleague, Gail McNeil, who's a diabetes educator and clinical nurse specialist from Toronto. So today we have a really timely discussion about diabetes remission, and I know this topic comes up regularly, so we are absolutely thrilled to have Dr. Dylan McKay here to discuss the option of diabetes remission. Dylan is an assistant professor of nutrition and chronic disease in the Department of Food and Human Nutritional Sciences and Department of Internal Medicine section of endocrinology at the University of Manitoba. He has a background in human nutritional sciences with training and experience in clinical trials and patient-oriented research. He is also a person who lives with type 1 diabetes. His work concentrates primarily on type 2 diabetes and chronic kidney disease. He also has a strong personal connection with type 1 diabetes research in which he is both a researcher and a patient partner. He has been a member of the Diabetes Canada Clinical Practice Guidelines Steering Committee since 2020. Welcome, Dylan. Hi. And uh, so this is a really great topic. We, we see this coming up all the time. Gail, when you're in clinic, do you talk to patients who have questions about diabetes remission? Well, yes, Sarah. And thank you, Dylan, for joining us today because it's such a topic. The patients are always now asking about remission. And I'm never sure how far I should go in talking with about it or the qualifications. And the other thing is, is it really sustainable? Just questions I've got for you so that help us in our counseling. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's sort of why I, I would say there's a, the chapter was written, right? Um, I think I think lifestyle-based remission kind of came onto the research uh, um area in in diabetes with a direct trial and some and some smaller trials that were predecessors to that um and the first sort of reports of it were were due to bariatric surgery right uh so so there's evidence that after bariatric surgery uh people would would achieve normal a1c's and and would no longer need hypoglycemic you know anti-hyperglycemic uh, medications um and then you know with this evidence that was building and building and and really pushed by individuals who wanted to know if they could achieve remission or if remission was possible and the best ways to do that. Um, in the UK, there was a, uh, you know, a, a patient priority setting activity done by Diabetes UK. And their number one and four were both, you know, like, can I put my diabetes in remission? And can I do, what can I do with diet to, 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 to manage my uh, um, um, type, type two diabetes? That led to Diabetes UK funding the, the direct trial, which is a large uh, cluster randomized trial that, that's sort of been the best evidence right now for, for remission um, using a low energy approach. And so that plus other trials that have shown it and, and the, 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 the building history of, of remission after bariatric surgery uh, led to the creation of this chapter. Thanks, Dylan. I think that really shows us that this is a patient priority and, and shows the need for a new guideline chapter on remission of diabetes. Um, let's start by kind of defining this. What is remission um, and what concepts around remission are really important to understand? 
So there were uh, some organizations that defined it, uh, remission uh, previously, but you know, at, uh, at Diabetes Canada, we, we had to come up with sort of the Diabetes Canada definition. Uh, and so for this chapter, um, and, and in general, it's you know, um, type two diabetes remission is no antihyperglycemic medication use for at least three months, the consecutive months, and achieving an A1C threshold listed below the categories. And so, uh, for remission to normal glucose levels, it would be an A1C uh, of less than six percent, uh, and for remission to pre-diabetes, that would be an A1C of less than uh, six point five percent. And because we defined remission, we also had to define relapse, and that was you know a subsequent A1C. Uh, that went above 6.5%. And I think this is really important to kind of wrap our heads around, and especially this concept that remission is not cure, right? Our patients who've had remission of their diabetes are still at risk for relapse of their diabetes. So ongoing vigilance is really critically important. Yeah. And there are recommendations around the monitoring for that. So, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, monitoring for the persistence of remission was recommended at a six month period uh, with A1C or equivalence if A1C would, was not uh, thought to be reliable. Perfect. So, you know, let's kind of jump in and what are the recommendations in this new guideline statement? Well, uh, the, the first couple of recommendations sort of frame the entire um, concept uh, and outline the, you know, the, the, the concept of it and the, and the limitations, right? Um, you know, the who should be recommendations around who should be attempting it, right? Uh, first off, it's not recommended for individuals with significant eating or mental health disorders, uh, and also not for individuals with a compelling um, indications for antihyperglycemic medication that we know from trials has renal or cardiovascular benefit, right? And so, you know, in the pharmacological chapter, we have agents that, that in, in high quality RCTs, show renal and cardiovascular benefit with use. And so for individuals who may be, you know, should be on those medications to, to receive that benefit, they, they may not uh, be good candidates for this because, you know, we don't have that same level of evidence from lifestyle-based remission or remission from uh, bariatric surgery. Um, and, and then the next one is that, you know, the deprescribing of the antihyperglycemic uh, agents and also antihypertensives for, for many of the um, uh, interventions they need to be, they, they need to be deprescribed is, uh, is outlined. And it needs to be individualized to minimize the risk of obviously uh, hyperglycemia, but also um, uh, hypertension and hypoglycemia because with significant weight loss very quickly in some of the interventions, you can you can have hypoglycemia with some agents and also hypotensive episodes with some of the antihypertensives. Um, and then uh, the next one is obviously after remission criteria are met that there should be uh, monitoring for relapse. And then it gets into the, the recommendations and the best ways to achieve remission. Um, they're in no particular order. Uh, but we started with bariatric surgery, either you know because of alphabetical or because of the longer history uh, of of the cases. But you know, ba bariatric uh, surgery should be recommended to non-pregnant individuals with type two diabetes and a BMI greater than thirty five as an option to potentially in uh, induce type two diabetes, and that was at a grade A level A because there's quite a significant. Uh, high quality evidence that, that uh, bariatric surgery in individuals with a BMI greater than 35 can achieve remission afterwards uh, with, with you know, substantial weight loss. Um, and then the, the behavioral interventions, there were two recommendations. 
One of them is a low calorie intervention, um, 800 to 850 calories a day as part of a, you know, a quite substantial wraparound lifestyle intervention with structured food in, in reintroduction, the, the me, using meal replacements. So meal replacement use for three to five months, targeting as close to or as much, uh, um, as much weight loss as you can get to, 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 you know, greater than 15 kilograms of body weight, because that's the one that has the, the best evidence that target uh, in the clinical trials. But, but uh, following the meal replacement, there's structured reintroduction of food at weight maintenance, as well as some physical activity for weight maintenance uh, to, you know, and it should only be recommended for individuals with type 2 diabetes, uh, non-pregnant individuals with BMIs between 27 and 45. Um, and then we have a duration of of, dura uh, of diabetes of less than six years, because that's the, the 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 population for this high level evidence. Um, and A1C is less than 12%, as well as those who have not yet initiated insulin therapy. So so that's that's you know quite a slim. It's not it's not everyone. Um, the the other um, the other behavioral health intervention that's there um, is really one that's less focused on the energy restriction and more focused on increasing exercise and physical activity quite strenuously actually um, and this uh, this is um, increasing exercise aiming for 240 to 400 uh, 420 minutes per week combined with a mildly calorie restricted diet targeting five percent uh, to seven percent uh, body weight loss um, maybe an uh, maybe an option for potentially inducing type two diabetes remission in, um, and that's again for non-pregnant individuals with a BMI greater than twenty five. So that's actually slightly lower BMI than the than the low energy, um, and a, a type two diabetes uh, duration of greater uh, less than ten years, so slightly longer, but at an A one C of less than nine percent. So uh, and the, the, the thresholds are slightly different based on the evidence that was available for those recommendations. Yeah, and I think it's really helpful to have these very specific recommendations that kind of give guidelines for our options and guidelines for patients that are appropriate and maybe not appropriate for the goal of remission. Um, I know that you guys have also put out a user's guide that's really helpful. I think uh, what's the role of the user's guide in kind of complementing this uh, guideline statement? Well, I mean, as Clinicians would have to decide individually, you know, based on these recommendations, and you may have individuals that are just slightly outside or, or, or you know, you may have frequently, frequently asked questions around remission, and that's what the user's guide is really trying to, to fill in, right, because uh, these recommendations are, are graded and very specific because of the clinical trials they're based on, um, and the user's guide tries to add context to that uh, patient-clinician um, relationship and decision-making. So one of the things we put in there, you know, there's shared decision-making checklists and resources, uh, ways to help clinicians determine who is a good candidate, who may not be a good candidate, and, and having those discussions with with patients that come in and say, hey, I heard about remission, or how to, or who should we potentially, or, you know, should a clinician potentially initiate a conversation about remission uh, with um, if, if it comes up? Um, and so there's some, some, some checklists and some graphics around that. And then there's also just a lot of uh, frequently asked questions. Then there's also a 
low calorie diet. So a Canadianized version of the trials, the trials that that based on the low energy recommendation, uh, actually were in the UK and in the Middle East. So, um, you know, how do you adapt and create that program that was in the trials? in a Canadian context. And, uh, and so there's some tools outlining what that kind of a dietary intervention would look like. Uh, for one thing, we, we, we have a higher minimum uh, calorie per day standard in Canada for meal replacements than in the UK. So it's slightly higher, you know, uh, 900 calories a day. Um, uh, beyond that, yeah. And, and then also just a more discussion around uh, you know, the the avoidance of creating some type of stigma, you know, and avoiding weight stigma with these and also avoiding the, the concept of failure, right? I mean, if someone undertakes this type of remission um, intervention and they improve their A1Cs a lot, right? And and it, it turns out that they have, they remove, they, they deprescribe quite a bit of medication, but, but, you know, it doesn't get all the way to, 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 um, the definition of remission, or you end up with just remission to pre-diabetes, that's not a failure. These are, these are good things. Uh, and so, you know, that's, uh, that's what we have in the user guide. Yeah. And I actually, I really love the user guide. I love these tools for initiating the conversation and how to do this shared decision-making. And, and in particular, Ali, I really like this example of a low calorie diet. Cause I get this question from patients all the time. Exactly. What should I eat? Give me an example of, of, you know, what should I have for dinner? And that's written right in the user's guide. So I think this is a very helpful resource um, that we should be able to take into clinic. Um, Gail, you know, having had this discussion with Dylan, do we have some thoughts on how we might approach this subject with patients when they bring us this question of diabetes remission? Uh, thanks, Sarah. And thank you, Dylan. I think the guidelines are great. The chapter is great. And the user guide, Sarah, I totally agree with you. It's fabulous. Um, a couple of things I heard very clearly, and I think that patients have to understand this is not a cure. They do come to you thinking it might be a cure. It's not a cure. And it's not for everyone because in practice, we, saw, we see a lot of cardiac and renal involvement. So I do think we have to be sort of more selective and understand that. Um, and, but as, as I say, you've given us the tools to work with. We just have to uh, interpret them and uh, use them appropriately. I have one question though. Do you think that patients that decide to go into the remission sort of uh, program, should there be structured centers or do you think we can handle this in our own centers? See, that's, that's really one of the big, the big issues we, we have, you know, and let me tell you, there was lots of discussions among the authors of both the user guide and, and that, that we were coming up with recommendations, but are there facilities or programs available that, that meet these? And I know of a couple places that have started things like this. Uh, you know, the, I know there's a clinic in Quebec and there's a clinic in, in Halifax. Um, I'm working on with, with uh, developing one in, in Manitoba. Uh, and I think that's kind of the response that the, this is might, this made create demand for something that needs to be created because this is not as simple as just giving somebody a, the user guide diet and saying, go do that. Because we already know for every disease condition and, and every dietary intervention that that's pretty much doomed to failure. You need that wraparound support and, and uh, you know, access to the other individuals that, that were in these clinical trials to, to have these results. So I think that's an important consideration about resources and, and capacity and, and who's most likely to, to benefit, um, you know, uh, and, and that's something that is expanding, I, I hope. 
But I think, John, you've given us some tools to start working and start the counseling process because we can't ignore this question when they ask us. Our job is to inform and be informed. And so thank you for the chapter and the information and the user guide. Great right. tools. Well, uh, it, it really was. I mean, we had a person with lived experience of, of type 2 uh, remission, and, and I know a couple of individuals who've done that. And without having it in the guide or the idea that people just didn't even know about it, especially with clinicians, kind of felt like they, they didn't exist. Uh, and that's really uh, something that I think is a is a positive um, from from this chapter. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dylan, for this overview of the Diabetes Remission Diabetes Canada Clinical Guidelines Statement. We really appreciate your insights. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. For those of you who want more information on this topic, there is a webinar available on the Diabetes Canada website, which is hosted by Susie Jin. Thanks for joining us today. If you have questions about the episode or about becoming a member of the Diabetes Canada professional section, please email professional.membership at diabetes.ca. Special thanks to Adam Humphreys for providing the music for today's podcast. 